Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. I don't really believe you. Are you ready for the message? Because I look at the clock, I see it says it's 1125. I told Sister Yetta, I said, you don't realize I wasn't even fully done writing my message when I talked to her. I said I was at 28 pages, and she says, oh, you always say it's 28 pages, but you always get done sooner. Yes, May. Oh, 1127. So you say I have 33 minutes, right? (laughs) She wants to go get some lunch. I don't blame you. But that being said, if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn it to James chapter 1. Because this week we are starting up a new series that's all about the book of James. And I'm going to warn you, it's going to be a while that we'll be in this, because James is what we classify the book of Proverbs in the New Testament. And there's a lot of great nuggets and great wisdom in there for every Christian, not just new ones. So I just want to get into that. But we're looking at James chapter 1. We're going to look right at, start at verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, we have that printed off in the bulletin. And if you don't even have a bulletin, we have it on the screens. If you're ready, say aye. All right, we all voted. Okay, we're good. Uh, and it starts off with James, the servant of God, the Lord, in, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes of the dispersion, uh, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you that you are the God that is the stronghold. You are the one that we can plant our feet on, on that firm, solid rock. So God, today we ask you to touch this message. Get this pastor out of the way. Touch the words. Let them come out slowly and ability to understand and let it have the edification that this body needs, Lord, to be able to understand their trials that they're dealing with. And God, let us count it as all joy through all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. And the church said amen. I'm going to tell you, I don't normally tell you the title of the sermons, but this morning I feel like I need to. You ready? The Uncommon Joy. Because the uncommon joy is not what you would expect. You see, James is something that you would kind of get confused with. Before I can get fully into the text of it, I have to express who James is. See, when we open up the Bible, and as you start reading through the New Testament, the books of Mark, Luke, John, and James, you start encountering these great disciples. And you had James and John, the sons of thunder, who who were disciples of Jesus. And when you get into it, and if you're a newer Christian, you might open it up and say, that looks like that should be who that is. Theologians have calculated it and all this, and they said that's probably not true because of the dates that it was written. But they said, and it is interesting, because there's also another guy that we know that's named James, and he he was the half-brother of Jesus. And 
isn't it interesting that that's who they accredit the book of James to? I don't know about you, but if my brother knew I was the Messiah, I don't think he would write these kind of words about a faith like this brother did for Jesus. Can I just say that? I mean, could you imagine you have to write something nice about your sibling and say that they are the rock, they are the Messiah, and you're just going, and I'm just nothing but a lump of coal. Would you want to write something like this? But the fact that he did attest so much in such a great detail of the impact that Jesus had on the world. It's another reference to the truth of who Jesus is and why we need him. You see, we struggle each and every single day in our dirty, messy, just completely horrendously misguided lives in many ways. We struggle each and every single day trying to make sense of this thing called faith. What are you talking about, Pastor Stephen? Faith. Faith is this thing we hold on to. Why we're sitting in these seats looking for something beyond ourselves. This thing that we don't always understand because we can't always see it, but we have to believe it and trust in something. This faith. It's hard to hold on to. But I want to encourage you, if James could write these words and these five chapters that he wrote out, you think there's going to be greater things that are going to come through your life if you could just hold on a little longer. You see, what James was writing to was a church that was a scattered church. Got to preface it that way. When James is writing this, he's writing this to all the Israelites that are scattered throughout the Roman Empire that have had their hope found in Jesus. They got rooted into this thing called the, the movement of the way, this Christianity movement. But they're scattered and they're living in a world that is so messed up. They have pagan gods. They have different cultural things about how they... Uh, populate the society. They have different societal norms for the, the political elite and all these things. But doesn't that sound a little bit like today? I, I found that completely interesting as I was digging through the historical references and I said it, this United States of America that we live in today looks like what James was writing to. And he's writing to the church trying to give them some hope and some, some nuggets of wisdom to be able to stand all that they were going to encounter. And yet it impacts each and every one of us so much more than we'd ever calculate today. Let me be honest. Let me be honest here. When you read through the book of James, it's confusing. Because it doesn't make sense. Like the first words that, that, that he writes out to the church and he says, My brother, and count it all joy that you will meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy when I go through the fire. Can I just tell you a little interesting story? I drove on 224. And if you're from here, you know where I'm going. If you're watching on the live feed or you've not been from this way, if you know 224, 224 is called the, the, what I would call the Wild West of driving abilities. It is God awful. 
But the truth is, I'm going down the road one day, driving on 224. This one woman's over here driving super slow. I'm driving, and all of a sudden, I see my car get like cut off. It's eight inches from my front bumper from this slow lady gumping, jumping over, and she's jumping over to get into the turn lane on the other side of the road, not just hitting me, almost. And all I know is I'm slamming on the brakes, trying to not just go flying forward, and I'm having a meet Jesus moment as my head looks like it's going to go towards heaven because I have to hit him so hard. And then as slow motion occurs, I watch this woman get into the turn lane, turn all the way into the Wendy's parking lot, and get into the drive-thru. You see, I bring that situation up because it sounds funny. But when it's in relationship to the text of what James is writing, I struggle. Because how do I count it all joy when somebody is so stupid around me that they put my life at risk to go to Wendy's to get a junior bacon cheeseburger and a chili? I don't know what she got. But to get there with such a priority, how do I count that all joy? You see, I struggle with that every single day. God, I got to go through the fire sometimes. How do I say that's good? It's like when you and somebody else don't get along, how do you count that good when all you want to do is just knock their head off? You know I'm real. I'm just going to tell you how it is sometimes. It's not. It's a nightmare. How do I go and deal with people that are so evil in my face and I have to go, okay, God, thank you so much for that true blessing today. Have you ever had those moments? There's a reason why I always tell my wife, she laughs at me because I go, I just can't fix stupid. And she looks at me and says, honey, did you really say that? Yes, honey. And she's like, but it's the truth mentality of what it is. And sometimes I question God. I'm like, God, why did that woman have to cut me off? God, why do I have to encounter this one person in the store that I just want to throw down with because their words are just so insufferable? And yet, what James is telling us to do is something completely contrary to our fleshly wants. You mean, I got to count it as a good mark? that that woman cut me off. But then I started thinking about it. James isn't just talking about just a simple emotion of what joy is. Because joy is so much greater. Joy is so much deeper. Because what we have to truly understand in everything is that God is wanting us to hold on to the truth that, where is that? Our joy doesn't come from our circumstances. Amen. You mean, if I get a Christmas present, as Brother Kenny alluded to, I'm not supposed to count that as joy? No, you can't. But it's not what brings you joy. You mean, that birthday present that my husband got me, that nice jewelry that I got doesn't bring me joy? No, that can bring you joy, but it should never be your, the circumstance that gives you joy. 
Your joy should be something that's deeper within you, rooted further throughout your whole entire soul, if you would allow it to, because your joy should never be derived from the circumstances. That's why James was writing to the church, and he read this letter. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, for you know that the testing of faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be complete and lacking nothing. You see, I'm the idiot that goes down the rabbit hole and asks the questions. Brother Kenny kind of laughed at me on Bible study this last week because I brought in a different Bible to the Bible study. You see, I was stupid enough to go to college. No, kids, go to college. Learn something. But I, I brought this Bible that I got from college. It was a Strong's Concordance Bible. If you don't know what that is, I'll explain it to you. Ask me later. But in it, it has the, 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 the English. Then it's got the Greek or the Hebrew or the Aramaic or whatever it's in the text. And then it's got the Strong Concordance numbers that I get to go to figure out what each of word does. And as I've been studying this week, because I know the depth that is in God's word, I had to get down into it. Because joy is something that is just a weird word that James would have chosen. And in it, what we have to understand is that the joy that he's talking to comes from the word chara, which truly means to be cheerful and a calm delight. That right there kind of makes me a little bit more angry sometimes. James says that I have a, have a calm delight when I face trials when I have to face stupid people. And it doesn't make sense. But there's an impact in it because what I know that James is telling me that it's going to do is it's going to grow something within me if I could just trust him a little bit more. Because what he's saying is, is the trials that you face, which are paramas, which is the word that means to put in a proof or by experiment of good or experiences of evil or uh, or, or the discipline or the provocation of different aspects of your life that you will encounter, or the implications of adversity or temptations, all of these things that we should count them as joy because what they're going to produce is this thing that James calls steadfastness, which comes from the word hupmana. Trust me. I speak better Greek than I do English. Don't get me wrong on this one. But that steadfastness goes a little bit further because it means to be cheerful and to have endurance and consistency and enduring and this word called patience. I was talking to somebody last week and I said, you do realize the word patience is like a cuss word in my house? Because when I grew up, my grandparents would bribe me to their church with McDonald's, and in that church, I always got fascinated because there was a plaque on the side of the wall that said, patience is a virtue, and I'm like, that says patience. That means it wants me to grow something, and I'm like, I don't have patience. I'm a kid. Even as a 41-year-old adult, I don't have patience. But the truth is, what I know is that everything I encounter in my life is trying to grow something to understand that patience is greater of an impact in the Christian faith because truly 
Without faith, we have nothing. But with faith, we have the promises that nothing is lacking. And if that's true, and patience is vital, how do we know that that faith will produce something in your life? It's because we have to wait on the Lord. I know people are like, i got to wait on the Lord. No, it's not easy. No, it's a struggle. No, it's a fight. But it's for everything that you will encounter in your life that seems like it's going up against a rock, and your instant response is, Lord, I trust you, will produce something within you that no matter what you encounter, whether it's your bank account being low, whether it's a spouse that's in a fight, whether it's an addiction you're trying to get through, whether it's a situation at work, whatever the adversity that you're facing, it could even be a bully at school. If you're trusting in God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, what he's producing within you is an understanding that your steadfastness, your patience, your, your enduring qualities that he's developing within you will be able to get you through those monumental moments to where you will not lose sight of the prize. Because that's the struggle we all encounter. We all encounter this ability to get through it all. You see, what I'm trying to get at is, is that you have to learn to trust even deeper that if you are going through the fire sometimes, it's time to just hold on. Keep on going. I'm reminded of the little Hebrew boys that got kicked into the fire by King... Oh, what's his face? Nebuchadnezzar, thank you. See, I speak better Greek than I do Hebrew. But they put him in the fire, and guess what? They didn't say anything, but they yet, they showed the patience. And then when they looked into there, they said, Well, how many did you really throw into the fire? Well, three, sir. Well, why is there four? I have no clue. Better yet, they got out of the fire and all they could do is start praising God because what God was saying was, it's about the trials that you go through that will allow you to trust Him even greater. Trust me, it's not easy. This life is messy. 41 years of my life experience is nowhere compared to some of you in this church. And I can only imagine what it was like. I, like, like I can remember hearing this story about how the pastor of this church before me prayed for years, saved for years, waiting and seeing because he knew the need was needing to be done, that the church was growing and needed to be expanded. He waited in, in various trials and everything, and today he gets to see what God was willing to do because of what God's faithfulness was doing because he was patient and steadfast. You see, that's the hardships that we encounter. I don't want to keep telling you all of my situations. I want to ask you, think about it. What is it that you've been going through recently that you feel like just throwing in the towel saying, God, I'm done? And all you keep hearing is that little small voice saying, hold on. Don't let go today. Hold on a little longer. Don't let go of this right now. Hold on a little longer to the word. Let it not just go by the wayside. Know that it's still valuable. Hold on a little longer. It might seem like it's all lost. Hold on a little longer because in the process you'll find that your faith will produce nothing that is lacking.
Because God didn't just throw you down here to play rock, paper, scissors with the world with the anticipation that it's just a crapshoot. The Word says that He's made you more than conquerors. He set you on the solid rock that is higher than I. He has placed you in, in these places to grow you. He's allowed you to deal with stupid situations to define who you're going to be. Can I just say, I would not be the man I am if it wasn't for the various trials that I've already encountered, and I'm sure there's more along the way that I'm going to have to encounter that will develop me even greater because I'm not a finished, polished work. He's still working on me. He's still pulling junk off me, and He's still making me who He wants me to be. Young ones, let me tell you, don't doubt it. You might feel insignificant. But you're not. I was remembered one time where I said, I feel like I'm called to the ministry, and somebody says, No way. You got that wrong. And I remember how defeated I felt, but I remember the spirit moving within me saying, Hey, there's something more. Because what I need to tell somebody right now is, even though you might go through the fire, there's some greater knowledge around the corner. Because what God truly wants you to understand, if you don't know, simple, ask. If you don't know what you're dealing with or what you're encountering, ask. This world has been made up and messed up by way too many people that have not followed that simplest advice. You don't believe me? Look at Eve. Eve didn't ask. Eve just wanted to know. She looked at it, and the, the, the serpent in the garden says, Hey, you want to be like God? Go eat, the, eat from that tree over there. It's got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You'll know it all. You see what the mess that came from that. You could see the mess that came from Cain when he thought his offering to God was great and Abel's was not. You see the mess that comes from all the countless kings recorded through this text and throughout the actual written history that we have that's still improved by the schools today. You see the messed up history of people thinking they know greater, but yet they didn't ever ask. You see, church, every day, this pastor right here has to ask questions. Not because I'm stupid enough, but because I've learned that my own stupidity will make me not ask. I know you're looking at me with glazed eyes. You're like, this doesn't make sense. No, it makes perfect sense if you read the text. Because what James is really alluding to is this. If you lack wisdom, ask God who is generously going to give without reproach, without diminishing you, without calling you stupid, because he knows you need to know the impact of what you're going through. You see, I have to ask the questions, God, why do I have to deal with this horrible person every single day? Not always do I get the answer right then and there, but he shows me the answer. God, why do I have to deal with stupid people on 224? I just need to quit avoiding 224 and go to West, Western Reserve Road, right? you're on the internet and you want to know what that is, ask it. I'll explain it later. But what I'm trying to get at is 
We are going to go through so much garbage and junk and everything else in our lives. And no, you will not always have the answers that you think you need, but he will show you and expose it to you. If you ask and you start asking and you keep asking and you keep going to God and you keep going, God, show it to me. Start reading his word. He'll show it to you. Start praying a little bit longer. He'll show it to you. Start listening to God. Ooh. I think somebody needs to learn that sometimes in your prayer life, it's not about your mouth moving, but your ears listening. Because that's when God will speak to you. Because only then, when you ask, you have to be willing to receive. And God says, I will give it to you. I will show it to you. I will give you the edifications that you need to understand the goodnesses. Imagine Job. Job's going around going, okay, I've got the good life. And then all of a sudden, everything hits the fan. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. His wife says, just curse God and die. His buddies say, you had to have done something wrong. And all Job says, I have no clue what I've done. I don't think I've done anything wrong. I attest that I haven't done nothing wrong. God, what have I done? And God showed him what he was doing. I think some of us need to realize that our lives were more intent to know greater because we need to pursue after the Creator. If we cannot do that, we will not have anything. Even Jesus alluded to the fact that we need to ask. He says, truly I say, whoever says to this mountain, let it be taken up and thrown into the seas, do not doubt in your heart. But believe what he says will come to pass. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe and you will receive it. And it will be yours. And whenever you stand, pray, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. You see, you have to have faith that you're going to receive when you ask. That's what Jesus alluded to. You can't think, okay, God, if you're really up there, just show me a sign. Yeah, you could do that, but that's playing Russian roulette with your life. I'd rather go, God, I know you're up there. Please show me why I have to deal with this mess. Show me how to make it greater in my life. God, show me how to have joy in all of the chaos. Only then can you produce something in your life that you will see and edify God. I'm sorry, I need to tell somebody, you need to ask but with a wholehearted belief that God, with God, all things are possible. You need to ask, and God will give you the knowledge and the wisdom to be like Solomon when you should pray for it. You have to ask, and God will show you how to stand when you feel like tumbling over. You have to be willing to ask and go deeper. But that gets to the point where we have to realize that we are not enough that our joy is never going to be judged by what we're having. But instead, we need to consider everything as a righteous good thing that God has given us to produce something greater in each of our lives. It's not easy, but it produces this thing called faith. And this thing called faith is a substance of things hoped for, of the things not yet seen. It's the things that will come through it. It's the things that will challenge us. So I want to challenge you, each and every one of you, this week. I know we got some going back to North Carolina. I know we have some coming to, going to Georgia. I know we have some people that are going all over the place. And we have some of you online. 
But I want to challenge everybody that hears this message to hold on a little longer and, 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 and start asking, God, what is holding us back from being men like Saul who would have the confidence to say, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Why is it that we hold back and ask that? But I want to challenge you. Have the boldness to have the ability to ask God to give you the confidence. Because it takes boldness and confidence to ask the question, God, give me that boldness. That I could actually hold on a little longer. To, to be able to say, like what the psalmist says, every single day of my life that you encounter situations, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will what in it? Rejoice and be glad in it. Only then can we see what God is trying to produce within each and every one of us. Only then if we are living to live our lives with that intentionality to connect with our Creator, the one that sent Jesus on the earth, who let Him die on the cross to pay for our punishments, only then can we see what He wants to produce within each and every one of you. He puts you here today to hear this message. He sets you right here to get in your car and drive this morning. He puts you in a place to have this knowledge that you have hope and hope more abundantly if you'll just hold on. Don't give in any longer. Hold on and count it as joy. Hold on and make it something that the world doesn't understand because they think that all the joy comes is by what they get. But it's time for us as a church to put an uncommon joy in. And that uncommon joy is that Holy Spirit where He puts it in you. Where you trust God with everything you have. If you'll stand with me this morning. May you got your wish. If you'll just hold on a little longer, you'll see the production of what God is trying to produce within you. If you hold on a little longer, you'll see something greater. It'll start making sense. Hold on a little longer and count it as all joy when you face various trials of various kinds. Because what God is saying is, I'm up to something still. Trust me. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord this morning that wants to say that? Amen. We all are saying that. I have to ask because that makes you own it. Because when you raise your hand this morning, you're saying, God, I want that. I want to be that. But let's go ahead and dismiss in prayer this morning. Father God, I thank you for who you are. God, I give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. And as we come together, Lord, we praise you for what you've done and given this word this morning. Lord, we ask you, let it go into our minds, Lord. Let it just stew in there, Lord. Let us process what your word is saying. And let us have this uncommon joy that when we face all of this world, we won't lose hope, but we'll grow in, fa in faith that you are still doing some mighty works. Let us be solid in our thoughts and our solid in our prayers and solid in our lives, Father God, to surrender it all to you in every single day. God, be with us this morning. Be with us as we get ready to leave this building, Lord, and go wherever for food, or go wherever for family, go wherever in this world, Lord. Be with us, Lord, and guide us and protect us, Lord. Set our feet on the solid rock, Lord, so that we might not stumble. But God, let us love you with everything that we have, all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And Lord, let us love our neighbor as ourselves as they see that uncommon joy. 
Be with us, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, go and be the church people. The building is, dis- is being dismissed, but the church is not. Go and grow. Go and love. Go and just make a difference.